Welcome to What Bubbles Up, a conversation over beers about ideas, where they come from, the process people use to get there, and how to know when they're truly great. Now here are your hosts, Phil and Barry. What's poppin' everybody, and welcome to episode 14 of What Bubbles Up. Woohoo! A show about ideas, where they come from, and how do you know they're great. And before we get started, <laughs> let's wish everyone who listens and cares a very happy Hanukkah to you and yours. Uh, maybe I'm the only one celebrating, but I feel like saying <laughs> it's appropriate. Uh, happy holidays in general, yeah, Phil. Happy, happy holidays, <laughs> non-denominational holidays. How about that? There you, there go. you go. There you go. All right. Uh, we have an absolutely wonderful show and guest planned for you today. Uh, but we're going to start the way we always do by asking the all-important question. Barry, what are you drinking? All right. I So I I, I, uh, I went to Wegmans, Phil, the, the, the mecca of uh, craft beer, and I picked uh, yes. this one out here. This is a six-point sweet action uh, from Brooklyn, New York. It's a New York City yes. pale ale, which uh, I, I actually picked because our guest used to live in uh, Brooklyn, used to yes. live in Dumbo. I lived, I lived around the corner from that place. Literally. There you go. Walk yes. and a half. There you All go. Right. So... Uh, you can so I'm going to enjoy this here uh, and uh, and sort of in celebration I mean, I mean, of our guests. To drink six of those, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that's how it goes. Six uh, right. We we will do our best to go through all six in this particular episode. I went a similar route because yes. of our guest. Um, I went with the Starship Double Dry Hop IPA mm. from single cut beer smiths they are actually in astoria but i figured it's the tri-state area it's brooklyn queens kind of the same thing on the island um and uh this is uh one of their canned selections it's about 6.6 percent abv let's pop it open and see what happens awesome so so this shows about ideas or about beer it's about both it's about both (laughs) anthony it's already gone off the rails phil i knew this was going to happen we're supposed to introduce you now yeah all right yeah. So let me let me introduce let me introduce the listeners to our very uh, pushy guest here. So this is Anthony <laughs> Yell, who we all know far too well, uh-huh. who is the chief creative officer uh, for Razorfish, a marketing transformation agency. Welcome to What Bubbles Up, Anthony. There you go. And, uh, and what on? are you drinking? Show us up here. What Not have you got? Beer. No beer. Okay. I am drinking in a very cute little glass uh, some uh, Mictas. Ah. Oh yeah. Anthony tried to turn me on to this. And so now I, every time I go to a bar back when I used to actually leave the house, yeah. I go and I do you have Michter's and the answer is no. He got me all excited about a, oh, this stuff about is a spirit magical. I cannot find anywhere. Yeah. I, I want to say you can buy it most places, uh, probably not most bars, but it's fantastic. It's my favorite. Mm. Uh, the 10 year is phenomenal. Mm. Uh, not too expensive. And the, I think the 25 year is outrageous. It's like thousands yeah. of dollars. But yeah. Yeah. The American whiskey, cause it's not from Tennessee. Correct. Uh, so they can't call it bourbon, but they also have right. one that is bourbon that I guess is distilled in Tennessee somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, um, or or this Kentucky. Is the entry level Kentucky. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. This is the entry level. And then the 25 or the 10 is amazing. And then the rye is really good too. If you like rye. Yeah. I have a rye favorite. downstairs. Yeah. So Anthony, welcome to What Bubbles Up. Uh, so yes, as you've already sort of like said, this is a podcast about ideas. And uh, 
And, you know, we've all worked together. You are in the business of helping people develop ideas. And more importantly, um, these days, you're really in the business of helping teams come together, different agencies come together. Mm. Um, all of these sort of crazy, huge groups come together to try to be more creative uh, entities. But tell, I, I, always love, I always love it when you sort of talk about, like, you know, how you first sort of arrived here in the States. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Your, your, your quick trip to San Francisco that you thought would be a weekend that ended up being, you know, X number of years. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I mean, obviously by my accent, uh, which is sort of mid-Atlantic at this point, uh, <laughs> yeah, some people sure. think I'm Aussie or Kiwi or South African, but I'm actually from the UK. Uh, went on a holiday to the San Francisco to visit my dad for like six months and then literally had this crazy envelope shop that was like forwarded stamps and all, all sorts of information on it, opened it up, and in there was a what's called a prioritization date. Mm. Uh, which basically I didn't know that my dad had applied for a green card when I was uh, uh, younger. So mm. I decided to go down to the INS office in Sansom. A bird pooped on my shoulder, which I assumed was good luck because that's the way you have to think about birds pooping on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then stood in line, got a bunch of rubber stamps, and they said, hey, welcome, you can't leave. So then I was in San Francisco and had to get <laughs> a job, uh, and I didn't really know anybody. And I'd come. the only things that I had brought was a suitcase full of like terrible student clothes yeah, like CDs that are very embarrassing at this point. Uh, and that was it. I didn't even have my portfolio with me. So I was like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? Yeah. So I had to get wow. to know people. And then that was the beginning of everything. It was fantastic. Yeah. San Francisco, man. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful yeah. town. And you were there how long at that after that point? Uh, well, I did 10 years in San Francisco. And then I did 10 years in Los Angeles. So I did both parts of California and love mm-hmm. all of California. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then moved to New York, specifically Williamsburg, which is obviously uh, where Barry's beer is from. That's exactly right. So take us through, like, super quickly, the places you've worked and where you are now, just to kind of bring us up to present day. Oh, man. Well, I, I, my background is in design. That's what I studied in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, ended up working for a small, I guess, graphic design company mm-hmm. in San Francisco, one of the Michaels back in the day. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, there were many Michaels in San Francisco I would offer in the 90s. So I ended up working for a chap called Michael Cronin. Yeah. He did an awful lot of branding and identity work and collateral and was also heavily connected to the Valley. So we yeah. did a lot of work with a lot of the tech startups. And then uh, basically stayed with him for quite a long time. Had a great time. It was really fun. And then moved over to Studio Archetype, mm-hmm. which was Clement Mark's shop. Um, yep. And that was sort of like a severe pivot into more things digital because at that point I was sort of excited about really the possibilities of digital did that that got bought by uh, sapient <laughs> and then yeah. uh, just rode that train for quite a while which was i think uh you know uh, basically being part of an organization that was growing and growing and scaling and scaling and scaling and was just basically going on a tear in terms of mergers and acquisitions for quite a while mm. like 25 in less than 20 years yeah a disproportionate mm-hmm. amount of those companies were creative agencies of sorts Mm-hmm. Um, and then decided to leave, went to work for a New York based agency, which took me there, which was basically a division of McCann and then ended up going back to uh, sapient under the sapient nitro frame and then, uh, created sapient razorfish and now at razorfish. Yeah. So it's yeah been, it you know, fantastic journey. Yeah. And so, uh, so, somewhere in the neighborhood of about, uh, uh, what, eight or nine places, but but a subdivision of that is like 24, 25 places because of all the names and 
manifestations yeah. and yeah i mean changes. like what's funny is that you know like i know a lot of people sort of go to different shops obviously it's a big part of sort of like people's career progression but i didn't actually for a rather large chunk of time didn't have to do that because the organization was scaling so rapidly Mm -hmm. that effectively it felt like a new organization almost every six months and some people got tired of it obviously and splintered off but i was really enjoying it so you know you met an awful lot of new people is how i met, got to meet you two yeah 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 exactly. i remember the day i met barry in boston <laughs> whatever that was like what year was that 2008 that was that was 12 almost 13 years ago anthony that's right, right. the best day of your life as i refer to it <laughs> that's right mm. Oh, yes sure, sure. it's up Let's there it's up there <laughs> <laughs> yeah awesome awesome so so all right let's talk about all these integrations then because mm -hmm. that that can be fun it can also be harrowing it can be confusing so yeah. what tell us and our listeners a little bit about what it takes to take multiple organizations and meld them and merge them into one single entity what does that what does that journey look like and what does it take to be you know the creative leader at the helm of that integration yeah well I, would, well, I think the first thing to offer is that it's it's an it's a generally speaking a sort of an unusual path as a mm. person to be on that right. Like normally you go work for a company and yeah they grow, but you sort of like stay very much focused on sort of like the work, mm -hmm, or yeah. you splinter off because you don't like where you're working and your ambition is bigger than that, and you start your own company, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's sort of in the middle of both of those, right? Like I felt like I've been part of organizations and had the opportunity to start organizations uh, through uh, effectively staying with one that was just growing through mergers and acquisitions. So, you know, pr primarily, you know, the the way it works is just you know you have to find a cultural fit and a capability fit, right? Because if if there isn't, uh, you know alignment in those two areas it's never going to work out right in other words like what effectively are you buying or trying to acquire or merge with that extends your capability either your client base or truly your capabilities and then what's the sort of cultural nuance of how, how that organization operates to be able to integrate and expand your own culture within your own organization so you tend to look at it through those lenses and obviously you want to check the boxes on all three of those Otherwise, you end up with a bit of a problem. Yeah. And we've definitely, I've certainly faced those problems in the past, you know, where somehow it looks all rosy, but then you end up with nuances and cultural fit that end up causing some challenges, quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, what I think about a lot, I mean, having been through a lot of that journey with you, Anthony, yeah. just to sort of like, you know, let the cat out, but just you know, you to create great ideas and to invent, we, you know, you and I always tried to sort of create safe spaces for people, right? And yep. so, but when there's mergers going on, it all of a sudden it becomes about fear. Uh, and so that's just like, talk a little bit about that. Like, how do you sort of take people where they're nerd, they're suddenly worried about their their role, they're suddenly worried about, I mean, are they going to have a job? And, and you still have to ask them to go out there and and be fearless and be creative. Like, how do you do that? Well, I mean, it's a great question, Barry. I mean, like there's, I mean, I feel like we've approached it lots of different ways, quite frankly, you know, mm -hmm. you tend to tailor it towards the, the actual moment in time, the dynamics of really what's happening and then the individual, right? Because you want them to feel that there's a place for them to be in whatever we're expanding towards. And so, you know, a big part of that is really sort of organizational models and how you yeah. think about how you have to arm people with the ability to take on the responsibility in an expanded sort of mode and not 
be fearful around plausibly other people within an organization that have similar capabilities, but to think of that as like, well, I can learn from those people. They're not going to take my job. I can actually become a force multiplier with them and grow the business in this direction in some fashion by working collaboratively together. Um, some people embrace that notion, right? It's all about learning new things and working with new people. And some people feel more sensitive about it. So you try to create a positive picture, which it generally speaking is because, you know, growth is a great thing, right? Like you, the more that your business grows, the more that your agency grows, the better the briefs, the bigger the briefs, the, the more people you get to work with. It's all the things that sort of satiate creative individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes people do get freaked out about it. And regardless of how well you try to paint a picture, yeah, you know, they don't, they don't want to go on that journey with you. So they end up leaving and finding yeah. something that is a bit more secure for them. Yeah. I, I, I like, I like also how, I mean, one of the things that I've seen you do firsthand is you, you're very open about the business with a lot of creative people. I think sometimes mm-hmm. there's a notion that you should sort of shelter creative people. They just need to be in their cave and they can right. kind of come up with stuff. <laughs> but, you know, you've always been a proponent that creative people need to be business people, that they have to analyze their ideas, not just through a creative lens and a communication lens, but through a right. business lens. And mm-hmm. And I think sort of exposing people to really like, you know, the honest, transparent, state of the business right um has has actually been really powerful to to make people feel safer or or sort of at least more heard mm-hmm. uh, and more in control but i also think that those lessons have then helped them become better creative people down the line oh yeah well i mean you know we're not in the fine art business right? <laughs> i mean there's it's commercial art yeah you know, yeah. Like yeah it's commercial business right and you know if you want to if you want to keep doing the things you love doing, you know, like the business side of that equation is really important, right? Like, you know, good work creates good business, but managing the business with a lens beyond just great work, I think is really important. I've seen a lot of agencies come and go because they produce great work, but somehow they're terrible business people. And then all of that expertise, all of that vitality that can change the way the world works just implodes. And so then they just go out of business. You're like, oh my God, imagine if they'd have just been a bit more savvy about like running a business, you know, that what their contributions could be to the industry would be extraordinary. Um, So I I have a tendency to like people to understand it. And, you know, with the world that we're in right now, you know, where the sort of gig economy, the freelance economy is ever increasing, you know, we all work for to some degree ourselves, even though we're working for other organizations, there's a lot of fluidity in the organizations. Do you work for which brand? You know, you're just sort of a creative entity that can work for multiple brands within some of the larger holding companies. It's interesting because they start to get exposed to, you know, you know, the nuances of what it means to have that skill set. And I, I've never quite understood why, you know, when you're freelancing, you're really due diligent about like, timesheets and making right. sure you get paid but then when you go work for you know like a agency like all of that stuff goes to pot and you're just like you know like the business has to run on the application of your abilities being attached to client need yeah. so we need to get paid otherwise we can't pay you so in yeah. my mind it's just like if you understand it i think it makes for a better business which then creates better opportunities you can support your people better mm-hmm. and hopefully there's more freedom to do the types of things that you want versus constantly being worried about like going out of business or not having enough money. Well, I think, yeah. And, and something else um, you would share with me way back when is mm. 
don't call it the business because that right. separates you from it. Creative exactly. is just as much the business as anything else. And if you right. are the business, then people have to listen to you because yeah. transformational. So, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, right? that's a, it's a good reminder. So, I mean, yeah. I like that. Yeah. I mean, like I, yeah, I mean, I get frustrated when you refer to it as a third person and you're just like, well, you yeah. Know, what does the, what does the business think? I've heard what yeah. Anthony has to say. What does he, yeah. what does the business think? And you're like, Hey, Hey, yeah. No, no, no. Well, it's a point. I mean, you know, like at, at Razorfish, we've got like, you know, 400 plus craters. It's a disproportionately large group of the population. Yeah. Right? And that's a huge chunk of the business, right? You are the business, right? We're in the talent business and you're the talent. So it's that's just right. like, you know, like, let's not, let's not extract that quotient from the responsibility that you have. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant, brilliant segue as always, Anthony. We're going to talk about Razorfish here. Um, right. So Razorfish is a brand that's been around a long time. I worked way back when for a company called Proxycom, which was oh, one yeah. of what they called the, <laughs> uh, the, the, the little in fry. Francisco? No, no. Uh, uh, in good old uh, uh, Washington, D.C. suburbs and right. New York and New York. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we called ourselves part of the little five. There we had the big five, which were the big consultancies and the little mm -hmm. five. And the companies that we've all worked for, Razorfish, Sapient, Proxycom, mm -hmm. Scient and March 1st. No, don't, don't worry about those two right now. Um, so, wow. you know, 30 years. So, of, going back in time. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> you can well, add the fast five in there because that was also uh, the one. Oh, yes. Well, I am forever stuck in the 90s in some respects. But, um, <laughs> but, but Razorfish has now reemerged as its own brand. So, first of all, tell us yeah. a little bit about your role within Razorfish, mm -hmm. uh, your roles and responsibilities, and we'll talk about how you guys do business. Yeah, so look, the Razorfish brand has been around for 25 plus years, uh, st started by two founders. I mean, you know, feel free to look them up. But no, it's like it's founded 25 years ago on the premise that everything that could be digital would be digital. And you know, mm. 25 years later, we find ourselves in that world where everything is digital. Yeah, right? we, mm. we, We've known this, but you know, like it's only been, I think, accelerated in the last uh, 10 months because of COVID, right? Like yeah. our, lives, our lives have had to become extremely digital because we can't connect in the physical world. So yeah. not going into the office, not, you know, having to spend hours and hours on video conferencing. I mean, the list kind of goes yeah, on. We're basically on living the plot line of ready player one. That's what we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. Very good. <laughs> yeah, good yeah. Yeah. So, so, so Razorfish was always born from that DNA. Yeah. Uh, it was a major competitor for all of the agencies I was part of, you know, I knew lots of people that worked there. I was always very, uh, viewed it with sort of a frenemy <laughs> status. Mm -hmm. yep. It was like, I love the organization, but like I, I want to beat them. And it went away for about a year and a half. Like there were some decisions made that, that were, you know, significant around sort of retiring the brand. But obviously in, in, you know, in 2020, we wanted to bring the brand back relative to the marketplace opportunity, yeah. reestablish credibility for the brand that has that strong digital DNA in a world that needs it more than ever. Yeah. In the middle of a pandemic though, Anthony, like, like well, uh, what, yeah, what we, did you tie an arm behind your neck to, or your back too? Well, did you, did you like only hop on one leg, hop and, on one leg? How much harder could you have made it for yourself? Well, yeah. I mean, we, when we started in January, we didn't really know that this was going to happen. <laughs> Although I have to admit in January, I was in Korea, uh, I yeah. was in Korea oh, a couple yeah. of times in January. So mm -hmm. you could definitely tell something was coming. 
Yeah, it, yeah. It felt like it was under control, but obviously by March, uh, you know, I was flying back from Cleveland in March, where we have one of our offices, and that was that was the last flight. Yeah, I flew on, and I knew that yep. then everything was going to change. And so, I mean, we felt confident against the clients that we had. Yeah, uh, we felt confident the you know probably the backbone of sort of you know whatever the new normal is is likely going to be more digitally centric. Yeah. But we really didn't know how much it would sort of affect our clients and obviously affected our clients a great deal yeah. as it affected everybody. Yeah. Uh, so there was, you know, some really scary moments in there, quite frankly, touch and go moments around like, you know, could some of our key accounts go away? Could some of our cl key clients really, you know, ratchet back on spending? Yeah. A lot of that happened in Q2, you know, it was like, a, you know, you weren't quite sure where this was going to go. Mm -hmm. But I think you were hopeful that it was only going to be like three months. <laughs> but yeah. Three months is still. Here we are. Yeah. yeah. Month exactly. nine. Ten, ten months later. So, so I, I, you know, like I have to, I have to compliment the leadership, not only within Razorfish, but also within PCE, which is the division within Publicist Communications that we're part of. Mm -hmm. so I mean, like, excuse my French, but like a phenomenal yeah yeah leadership qualities um really you, you, you can you can let her rip it's fine well, oh, uh, <laughs> we're not like, on the disney yeah. channel we're good okay. we're good uh, no i mean like you know like just a really good group of people making yeah. some decisions about caring yeah. for the business and you know the business being made up of a bunch of people so looking after the people first and foremost <laughs> So yeah. we got it's through really it. Good. I'm not sure that we're completely out of it because 2021 is probably going to be quite spooky too. Yeah. Um, a different I, type of spooky. I think we got a runway definitely that's, that's, that's still with us. But yeah. I, I think I think you said something really interesting that I think is a, one of your superpowers here in helping sort of creative people be even more creative. Like just You really genuinely care mm. about um, the happiness, the comfort, the joy, the freedom of the people that you work with and who work for you. I, I think you've got a lot of sort of secrets. Like, let, let's go through a couple of your secrets. Let's, these are these are these mm -hmm. secret Anthony tips here that after we expose them on what bubbles up, everyone can kind of use. I'm not sure that's amazing, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll go with it. So the yeah. first thing is, the first thing is, like anytime I'm talking with you, usually right. you're out walking somewhere. So right. like you are a massive believer in this whole notion of let's not let's not just have a conversation. Let's go for a walk and talk. Like like where did that start? Like why are you such a big believer in like getting out and walking and meeting with someone? Well, part of it is my own self selfish need to be able to concentrate. <laughs> mm. So you know when I'm in the office or when I'm in some environment, I get a little bit distracted by a lot of things. Yeah, and I really want to hear people. Right. Mm -hmm. Like a big part of my job is actually fully properly understanding what's happening. Yeah. And, you know, the world that we live in and the jobs that everybody has at this level, you know, it's really easy considering the velocity of stuff that's coming at you to get distracted. And then you don't really hear people. So I found that my brain seems to comprehend people and I can focus more when I'm walking. Mm -hmm. And then I also observed, quite frankly, that people like to get out of the office because they didn't want to have a meeting with me in the office because it, it was structured around the office. And a big part of the way I like to get to know people is both professionally and personally. Mm. I found that when you understand people through that lens properly, you can actually really apply them in a way that is fulfilling to them, right? Like there's professional goals, there's personal goals. Yep. So the walk and talk has been 
and a really useful way of getting out of the office, grabbing people out of the office, sort of taking it out of that context and getting to know people through a lens that I think creates more truth of understanding, which then allows me to one, remember that stuff, but also fully understand the person to be able to figure out how to provide a long-term career strategy for them. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I, I, I knew I was going to get a workout in when, whenever Anthony visited. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I, get, I, get, I have to admit, like I should have a stipend for shoes and coffee. Yeah. Right. Because I, I mean, like the amount of shoes I get through is like, yeah. uh, you had a, you had a stipend for coffee and it was considerable. Oh, I Olivia and I would discuss it often. Like how much has Anthony spent on coffee? Well, I, this like, month? I, did, I had no idea if coffee costs 45 grand a quarter. That's it's well, so pretty amazing. Well, no, like, like the funny thing is that, you know, I, I mean, I'm a, I love coffee. Uh, yeah. You can see like remnants from today that I didn't quite. Oh, there you finish. go. Yeah. Um, by the way, I've learned how to make it at home. Oh, oh yeah. It's yeah. a revelation. Uh, Water and uh, uh, ground beans. I mean, uh, who would have uh, no, thought? Man, I'm seriously, after 25 years of spending an inordinate amount of coffee, I'm watching other people. I, I can confirm the amount spent on coffee. Yes. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Carry on. I, I figured Sorry. out how to do it. And I have to thank James Hoffman. I had the machine. I had really? Yeah, I had the machine. Like I got a like a decent espresso machine a number of years ago, but I was so useless at it that I broke it almost immediately. Uh, <laughs> so I finally, I finally sat down and I was like, you know, I'm going to learn how to do it. And I was missing two con- key components. I didn't really have a good temper, and I had a, I didn't have a time. Oh my gosh, or, Anthony, yeah. you are like rebuilding a race car by hand, and you can't make coffee. This is no, your I priorities can. are this out of work. It. I can make now, it now like he is. wildly yeah. consistently every day because all I'm right. a trick. Barry, Barry, we all have our own journeys, okay? okay. So, yeah. yeah. All right, I understand. Stop throwing my shade. expense report is quite a yeah. bit less now. Yes. Although, all right. You know, like in the offices, I'll be like, I'm still going to want people to get out of the office to have the good work. Yeah. So yes. I, well, but uh, I think I think that's a secret. I think that's a sort of a, a secret trick. The the other thing that mm-hmm. I I I've always admired that I that I try to pick up and use myself is is this whole notion of like stop talking about it, just do it, just kind of right. like make it. Mm-hmm. Don't just don't just tell me about something that we should do. Just literally just assume you have permission and just go and kind of make it like just the power of just doing stuff. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I mean, you know, I, I like to surround myself generally speaking, generally speaking with people that I think are smarter than me, right? Like it's a basic strategy to be honest Mm -hmm. with you. And so, you know, going back to that idea of listening and understanding, you know, um, if you enable people to feel like they can do something in a, you know, with freedom, and, yep. that, you know, they're in a place of trust. I want to see what they do. Do you know what I mean? You know, and so, like, you let them free, let them do whatever they want to do. You know, like, the easiest thing to do every now and then is to say, please stop doing that. Mm-hmm. But I'd much rather be in an environment where that is something that people feel that they can do, that they can contribute, that they can change things, they can make things for the better, versus an environment where, like, oh, everything needs to be checked with that guy, and you got to wait until 4.30 on a Friday before mm-hmm. you meet that person to see whether, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not, that's not enablement in my mind. You know what I mean? And like, you know, working with you two and all the people that honestly I've got to work with in my career has been phenomenal. And I found that you can get so much more out of everything by allowing people the freedom to be able to sort of choose how they can contribute. And yeah. uh, it's a very powerful enabler. People generally speaking, love it. Uh, you know, Obviously, I work with fairly senior people, and it's sort of an expectation. 
And then you just sort of, you know, guide it a little bit, you know, there's no gatekeeping. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Proven to be sort of kind of wonderful. By I the way, see. I just want to go back to the walk and talk. Uh, in uh-huh. defense, walk yep. and yes. talk. Uh, I did read that Stanford studied cognitive abilities when you walk and apparently it's higher. So I, that, I, I've that's seen that as well. Your, your blood flow is pumping. So you yeah, get like, yeah, absolutely. Your brain functions yeah. better. So like that's when right. people would criticize me, I'm like, apparently it's better for you. So I was yeah. like, I think I, I think I saw that either yeah. that or I, or I'm just agreeing with you to get in your good graces. Always yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, both good, both good yeah. tactics. Yes, still. yes, yep. yes. Um, <clears throat> so, so worldliness is also a good part of just, you know, building a general sense of awareness about, um, a lot of different inputs, you know, variety mm-hmm. and, and, um, you know, just experiences informing what you do and how you do it. So you clearly, uh, seem like a well-traveled individual, uh, when you're not locked down. Um, tell us a little bit about yeah. how your, your, your global experience has informed your, your view and in, in the idea making business. Well, I, I, look, you know, it's a, I think it's a mandatory personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. like culture has to be experienced. People are who you're trying to communicate with, whether through a digital product, through a communication piece, whatever it ends up being, right? So you have to understand people deeply to be able to influence them. So I found it incredibly beneficial personally to, you know, use work as a platform for experiencing the world and just observing people and sort of being engulfed in different cultures. Uh, it allows you to understand your own so much better. Um, you know, so I, I love it. Works obviously afforded me to travel relentlessly. Mm. Last year was a bit crazy, to be honest with you. Like I was like a Delta diamond within six months. Uh, <laughs> and then I was a, 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 a Marriott ambassador, uh, oh. which is crazy. They don't even have that. Like you have to stay a hundred nights in a hotel. It's bonkers. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, like that might be a bit excessive, but you know, I really enjoy it, to be honest with you, like, you know, going places, seeing things, you know, yeah. I really love going to countries where I can't actually re- even read the written language, you know yeah. what I mean? Because basically you shut off all your senses mm-hmm. and then you just start to observe things. And, you know, like my background is visual design. So I have a tendency to think very visually and you just watch the craziest stuff unfold in front of you. Like the little details are just like fascinating. Yeah, and, you know, all of that observational ability and, and understanding allows you to understand all the subcultures and all the different nuances within your own, which I think yeah. is valuable. I, yeah. I agree, Anthony. I think that's one of the things you've really taught me is that, you know, the, the this notion of travel and sort of firsthand experience and seeing sort of culturally how different teams are thinking about things is a really powerful part of what I think makes great creativity. It's one of the reasons I'm a little bit worried as this pandemic sort of like carries on, mm-hmm. you know, the lack of travel, I worry that it's dulling our ideas. Mm. And frankly, the way that we're all kind of connecting to each other digitally, I worry that it's dulling our ideas. It's a bit like social media. Right. We're only talking <laughs> to the people that we're probably pretty sure are going to agree with us. We're not yeah. having those kind of like awkward interactions with people who have different opinions that would happen in a physical space. And I actually think that stuff sharpens your thinking. I think. Yeah. Very I mean- sharp. I, so I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see, like, if this sort of continues to drag on, are the ideas going to start to get more and more generic? Well, I mean, like, I, I, I don't think so. I hope, yeah. Not. You know, like, yeah. I don't think so first and foremost, and I hope not second, right? Like, I mean, you know, we have had a litany of, you know, global and mm. national 
video conferences, you know, at scale. I was on a call earlier today or a video conference earlier today with people from obviously different parts of North America and we're all hashing out ideas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just the, the, the platform for it and that interconnection point is a screen versus a room or scribbling on a piece of paper, you know? So yeah, like yeah. not, it's not quite as efficient, but you, yeah. I feel like you can still get that nuance. Yeah. Uh, but you know, like the physical experience, I think is certainly something that I look forward to getting back to. I think yeah. it's, it's an important part of the way that I think creativity happens. It's a bit messy. And, you know, if you were to see my desk, I, I, I cleaned it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Quite frankly, but like, you know, it sure being looks about room, as bad as mine right now. Yeah. Well, you know, but being in a room together is, I really love it. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, certainly yeah. something I miss. I was actually going to do this from the office, but I couldn't get my uh, uh, in office thing accepted fast enough. Cause I submitted it a bit late. So, well, well, yeah. that, well I, I, we love seeing uh, the inside of your home. <laughs> but, <laughs> the tiny house. Yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, of, uh, sort of disruptive forces, right. Mm. Um, the industry, the industry that you're a part of, that we've been a part mm-hmm. of for, for many years, has undergone and is still undergoing massive transformational change. Yeah. What do you what what do you see happening? What's going to happen to the either the advertising or marketing or digital agencies that we see? What are some game right. changers uh, that uh, will will either empower us or weigh, weigh us down? What, what, what put on your put out your crystal ball? Tell us what's going to happen. Well. Yeah, uh, crystal ball, right? Uh, I mean, I think you're still seeing some of the consolidation yeah. and orientation towards, you know, assets that are in the market that might have perceivably, a, 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 you know, a more modern interpretation of how to market. Yeah. That happened fairly recently with Gray and AKQA. Yeah. You know, Gray was phenomenal, disappointing. AKQA is phenomenal. You know, AKQA is the name, no gray. I think you might probably see a lot more of that, uh, you know, where people are refining their portfolio strategy. Uh, I think the holding companies are realizing that, you know, having many horses in the race is probably not the right strategy anymore. So a few really clearly defined ones, um, which is the different strategy than they had for a long time. Um, As for, you know, uh, changes within any one of those entities. I think there's always going to be new media forms. There always has been, right? Like printing press was a media form. TV was a media form. Radio was a media form. Uh, you know, the proliferation of media forms in the last few years has sort of accelerated, which is, you know, in some instances caught a lot of agencies out. Yeah. Um, but there's some new ones that have just been bubbling up that just haven't really landed. You know, my favorite one, uh, you know, is just AR VR. Like it's been out there and you're just like, what? Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Like people have tinkered with it. There's been really good experimentation, you know, like all the hardware companies produced hardware and everybody's like, this is the future. And then it was just like, no, it's not the future. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened. Uh, But you know, I, I want to say, and I commented on this on a piece like not long ago, like, you know, it reminds me of just broadband. You know, yeah, like broadband yeah. was like this thing and it was going to change everything that you could do digitally because the mm-hmm. speed would change everything that you could do. Yeah. 
Um, and then it just never happened. And then all of a sudden, like three years later, we're just like, you yeah, the hype was like five years early. I I, yeah. I worked yeah. on Clearwire back in the day for like yeah. Sprint and everyone was super excited about it. And basically everything that we talked about for Clearwire came true. It just came true in five years. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I was on a subway. I was on the L train going from uh, 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 Williamsburg over into the city. Mm. And the founder, one of the founders of uh, uh, Google was on the train in a oh. trench coat with, uh, you know, Google glasses on. Hmm. And then, you know, like it was just too soon, just, yeah. Too yeah. Late. I mean, it was a great idea, but it was like the Newton again, you know what I mean? Right. Just like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. please yeah. Yeah. moment, but yeah. you know, like everybody's developing those products. Yeah. Uh, thankfully we all wear glasses already. So we'll, we'll, we'll get the advantage of it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, I think AR VR is going to be crazy uh, when it finally takes off. And I also feel like it's really going to change the way the world works because everything becomes media. Right. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Digital physical. Yeah. Exactly. So what have you got going on? What's the future then at, at Razorfish? Like, 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 sort of give us like, what's the thing you're most excited about that you're working on right now? Uh, well, lots of different things. I mean, you know, like Razorfish operates in three sort of major spaces, uh, mm. products and platforms. So think of that as anything from sort of like web to applications to mobile to, you know, like custom uh, products effectively. Mm. Uh, campaigns and content, so the full swim lane from, you know, like 360 global campaigns all the way down to social content. And I don't mean down in terms of like less important, but just like the spectrum mm -hmm. um, and then physical and digital, you know, like how all of those experiences can translate into a physical digital space. So we're like very aggressively pursuing opportunities in all those spaces. And quite frankly, I would say that the combination of those spaces is quite different. You know, when I think about competitive set, you don't see that in any of our competitors, not that totality, but we've got deep bench and experience in all of them. Uh, so we're working on different briefs in all of those spaces, some of them global, some of them uh, national. I can't get into too much information because I'll get in trouble. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, like, you know, like what we found is clients are coming to us looking for the integration between those things, right? They've either operated in one space or they've operated in another or they've operated in a third space. And now they're coming to us with that expertise. Like, how, how do you connect these experiences? Yeah. And that could be in automotive, that could be in telecommunications, that could be in consumer electronics. So it's, you know, it's, it's a fun time to be in the industry, to be honest with you. Yeah. 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 Excellent. With all of that experience and all hmm. of those experiences uh, behind you, is there anything you would have done differently or anything you'd like to do that you haven't tried yet? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, professionally <laughs> or personally? professionally sure. let's keep it professional uh, yeah, let's, 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 let's uh, keep it professional this is yeah. a podcast for business folks okay yeah i mean <laughs> i mean my professional my 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 professional uh situation is i'm a very i'm a very loyal individual to be honest mm -hmm. with you so mm -hmm. like i i you know like i believe in the, the long-term strategy i don't jump around very much you can yeah. probably see that from my resume uh, you know i like building things that are built to last um, yeah. so, you know, like, but there's been opportunities every now and then that have popped up, where I'm just like, you know, if I didn't have my orientation, I might've jumped to something else. 
some of them would have probably been quite lucrative. <laughs> you know I mean? So yeah, maybe yeah. I wanted a tiny home. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, we 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 all uh, can benefit from a little bit of hindsight, but uh, yeah. what I've always uh, enjoyed about working with you is uh, to never look back. Uh, it's always ever forward. And yeah. uh, as we continue to look ever forward ourselves as well, we like to wrap up by uh, a little uh, uh, skit we call, what are you stealing? And so yeah. we, we start off by, no, by right. drinking. And you didn't tell me these. about this. Oh, no, right. yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. we like to... Uh, we don't we don't share everything. We like to have, okay. save a, a few surprises. We're, we're trying to keep you dancing here, Anthony. Yeah. yeah. So so Barry, you've known Anthony a long time. Long what time. Are, what are you gonna What are you gonna steal from Anthony? So I've stolen many things. I would actually argue that a lot of my uh, success, what whatever of it I've had, has has been through stealing a lot of the great uh, lessons that I think Anthony has taught me. But the one that I would really share and pass on with folks that frankly I'm excited to start stealing again is this whole notion of travel and sort of experiencing a bunch of different cultures and getting out there in the world and looking at with very open eyes, how other people perceive things, how other people do things that that is really, I think an incredible um, tool in any creative person's uh, bat belt um, to help, Mm -hmm. help create um, out of the box ideas to help uh, validate great ideas. And that, and that that kind of uh, sort of willing, open-eyed travel mentality is exactly, I think, sort of the parallel to the journey that we all go on as creative people when we're coming up with new ideas. Uh, so that's what I'm. That's what I have certainly stolen in the past. Will continue to steal. Look forward to stealing once the uh, world opens up and I feel safe traveling again. And would encourage uh, younger, sort of newer creative people to really embrace, like embrace those opportunities to travel. Your ideas are going to get better because of it. Phil, yeah. what are you stealing? Ah, uh, gosh, I, I, I too steal uh, uh, quite a generous, generously from from both of you. Actually, um, the one thing we didn't actually talk about that mm. um, uh, I think uh, why not now uh, yep. uh, to bring it up is this notion of fun, fame, and fortune, mm, and right. um, <clears throat> so and, and I think those three things, you know what they lead to is sort of philosophy, which is, you know, Anthony has uh, uh, a, a very, very background, but at the same time, he, he sticks with it. The, you know, yep. it's not a, he, you would look at his resume portfolio and say, this is not a job hopper. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, that means that he believes in the higher purpose of what he's doing. Uh, and uh, because and that you know sort of begets the fun, fame, and fortune. First, you have to believe in what you're doing and instill that belief in others and be in it for the long haul. Um, you know, I, I've had some jobs that I've been in for a long time, some that didn't work out quite so well. Yeah. And um, but you know, b- because you know either you didn't believe in it or uh, because uh, you, you didn't think it was worth believing in. Mm. Um, and 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 really, it it really comes down to if you have to instill and motivate. Uh, others, uh, then you have to believe in it. You have to believe in the mission, you know? Yeah. Um, and that will uh, breed longevity and all the good things that, that, that come from that. So yeah, if you have fun, you're probably getting famous. If you're getting famous, you're probably going to get known and the business is going to come and you're going to get the fortune. I agree. That's a great thing to remind people. Exactly. I mean, like it is a fun industry. I mean, I feel like, you know, the industry has definitely had its, had its, sort of ass handed to it in the last few years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but you know, like, I mean, honestly, I, I, 
you know, like the thing I'm always grateful for is the fact, you know, the opportunity to work in the industry with like really interesting people and get to do the types of things that we do. It's just kind of preposterous, really. Yeah. <laughs> if you were to compare the job that we have with maybe a job that other people have, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. so creative. It's so fun. It's, you know, it's no, we are blessed. We are lucky. And mm -hmm. uh, anybody out there, I would definitely encourage you to choose a creative profession. It's it's yeah. actually it, it brings an incredible joy to my life. So fortune from somebody else, too. So just to be clear, all that, right, oh, yeah, that's right. You didn't you didn't TM it. I know that's fine. Whatever. We all steal <laughs> any any good yeah. ideas worth stealing. That's why we closed every uh, session with it. Yeah. yeah. No, all like right. That. All right, Anthony Yell, Chief Creative Officer, Razorfish. Thank you so much for joining us. Phil, should we uh, do our wrap-up here? What do you think? Absolutely. It is that time. All right, everybody. You guys have a wrap-up? You're going to sing to We me? do. We're, we're going to – no, well, we're not going to sing. What we're going to do – this is where we get down on our knees and we beg for more subscriptions and likes and things like Hit that. Hit that so, bell button. That's right. Yeah. Crush point, that. You got to like, point to the corners of your screen. Yeah. I don't. I know. This isn't video, Anthony. It's audio. That doesn't yeah. work so well. <laughs> I know. But at any rate, okay. I know. As Anthony once said, like I, I'm not so good at the time-based media. That was one of my favorite <laughs> Anthony quotes. At any yeah. rate, people of Earth, thank you for listening to this uh, episode of What Bubbles Up. Here, I would love to have you help us by sharing this podcast with your friends and telling them to subscribe to What Bubbles Up. You can subscribe at Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and eight other platforms. To our global audience, including the one person in Ireland who listens to us, hello, one. Mel Fox. That's got to be you. Please, uh, Mel Fox. We we uh, we don't name names, but it's it's a it's a word. It's got to be Mel Fox. Who else in Ireland would listen to us? I'm not sure. Know. I'm not sure. But thank you for listening, Phil. What else should we uh, remind the good people? Yes, if you want to get in touch with us, please feel free to do so by emailing us at whatbubblesup at gmail.com or following us on Twitter at whatbubblesup. Once again, thank you so much to Anthony Yell, Chief Creative Officer Razorfish. We'll see you next time on the next episode of What Bubbles Up. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of What Bubbles Up. If you'd like to share some of your ideas or make a suggestion for future episodes, Follow us on Twitter at WhatBubblesUp or send an email to WhatBubblesUp at gmail.com.